So if you have a Bible, would you grab it, please, and um, turn it, turn to Psalm 51. We're in the book of Psalms again tonight, Psalm 51. And if you don't have a Bible, you can still grab one off the Bible cards. Grab a note card if you don't have one to take some notes. If you don't have a hardback one, you can use your app, or this will be on the screens. Psalm 51, verses 1 through 12. I'm going to start with this. This is going to be, uh, we're basing the teaching off of tonight. I'm going to read the heading to the psalm as well. This isn't on the screens. It says, for the director of music, this is a psalm of David. It says, when the prophet Nathan came to him after David had committed adultery with Bathsheba. So David writes this, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, Blot out my transgressions, wash away all my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions, my sin is always before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are proved right when you speak and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me, Surely you desire truth in the inner parts. You teach me wisdom in the inmost place. Cleanse me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins. Blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. So um, most of you know this, unless you haven't been here the last couple of weeks, we're in a series called The Famous Prayer, and um, referring to the Lord's Prayer. And so each week we're taking a line, a phrase from the Lord's Prayer. We're going through, just straight through the Lord's Prayer, and each week we're taking the phrase, and we're studying it, um, just what that phrase teaches us. But every week we're sort of looking at it from a different part of the Bible. And so um, tonight, if you sort of haven't figured it out by the the nature of the passage, we're looking at the phrase where Jesus tells us to pray, um, forgive us our debts. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those who uh, are indebted to us. Or maybe you know the phrase as um, forgive us our trespasses. Um, You know, trespass is just sort of a fancy word for sin. A lot in this passage, David uses the word iniquity. Iniquity, if you don't know what that word means, it's sort of another, another word for sin. Um, But basically, forgive us our sins. And so tonight, um, we're looking at Psalm 51. Now, I I do want to say this, and I don't want to say this. I, um, Ben, Ron, our intern, was supposed to teach tonight. And um, so leaders may even be like, yeah, I thought Ben was supposed to teach tonight. And so I got a a phone call last night from Ben at 930 saying um, that uh, his fiance's aunt died. And his fiance's aunt, I think, had cancer, um, knew that she was not doing well. Uh, sort of holding on through the week. Anyway, but so he was like, um, Brad, she really, would, she really wants me to come down there to Missouri. Um, so I'm sort of planning on going. And so I was like, all right, okay, uh, cool. That's fine. And um, so it a lot of times takes me a decent amount of time to study and come up with that. So anyway, so I was like, yeah, okay, that's great. Are you sure? Are you sure you, are you, sure you can't wait one more day? Because uh, I got about four hours in the morning and we'll see what happens with that. Um, but I was totally like, Ben, do what you need to do, and it sounds like you need to go, so go. Um, so 
I hope. So I, I have tons. I mean, I can write notes galore, and so I always go too long. Um, anyway, but so I'm excited to dive into this tonight. I'm excited that I get to. So we're talking about forgiveness. Um, mostly, though, the, the ask of the prayer is, God, forgive us. Like, God, will you forgive me? Um, I guess in the same way that I forgive others, but forgive me. And so um, we've looked at a lot of Psalms this week. We're looking at another Psalm next week. And I said this before, but the book of Psalms is sort of like God's prayer book in the Bible to us. God's book of, book of prayer. And almost all of the Psalms are prayers. A lot of them are, are, um, are by David. Um, but so the Psalms is like the best book to sort of learn how to pray and um, to learn about uh, just what it can feel like to pray and all the ups and downs. I love how emotional some of the psalmists are and how they sort of, how blunt they are to God. But this passage tonight is probably not just in the book of Psalms, in the entire Bible, the most well-known passage in the entire Bible on confession, on forgiveness, and on repentance. And I'll sort of explain what that word means. Um, some of you know. But as you notice, because I read it at the beginning of the, the psalm, I read the heading, um, this is written by King David, but right after his famous blunder, right? If you don't know much about King David, he wrote this right after he had committed adultery with this woman. M- most all of you, I'm guessing, have heard that story sometime in your life, unless you've, like, you have know, you know, totally didn't grow up in church. So Bathsheba was another, another man's wife, obviously. He, um, this is in 2 Samuel. It says, uh, at the time when kings went out to war... David didn't go out to war. He was the king, but he was just stayed back for some reason. He was on his palace roof, and he sees this woman bathing on her roof, and he likes what he sees, right? He's attracted to her, and so he sends for her, which only a king could do, and they sleep together. She later gets pregnant, and um, so King David needs to cover the, all, the whole incident up, right? Again, a lot of you, you've heard this before, but this is like, this is, you know, if you've never read the Bible, like, there's some interesting stories like this, like soap opera type stories in the Bible. Um, but so he's like, this woman's going to get pregnant. You know, they didn't have contraception back then or something. Like, she's going to get pregnant, I suppose. So he goes, How, I need to like, so she tries to get his, her husband to come back off the battlefields, Uriah. And she tries to get Uriah to go to his own wife, Bathsheba, and sleep with her. So when this baby comes, he'll think it's his, right? Uriah is much more a man, I guess, at the time of sort of integrity than David is. And Uriah says, no, I won't do it. How dare I go and like lay with my wife when all the army is out of the battlefields? And um, so no, so he sleeps at the king's palace, or he, he sleeps like at the palace door or something. David tries to get him drunk to go lay with his wife and uh, still doesn't do it. And so eventually David um, has Uriah killed, sends him back out to the battlefields, sends Uriah, I mean, um, asks the captain of the army to place him strategically at the front of the lines where he's sure to be killed and he's killed. What a, you know, this is King David, fought Goliath, right? Um, a man after God's own heart. And this psalm is sort of his outworkings of that. Now, here's what happens, just in the Bible at least, it's just one chapter over, 2 Samuel 12, I think it is, 11 or 12. This prophet, Nathan, um, comes to confront him about this sin. And um, David totally sort of sees what he's done. He feels remorse. He confesses. He repents. He seeks forgiveness. Um, but David's life sort of blows up after this, this whole event. And I alluded to that in some of the past weeks. But he's sort of exposed to who he really is. Um, here's the thing. David sort of goes through this in this psalm. But what if there was a process, and no matter how your life blew up, and maybe you feel like right now your life doesn't consist of anything crazy, you go, 
If I'm honest, Brad, my life consists of going to school and playing video games. It's not that hard. And maybe some homework in there. But what if there was a process that no matter how your life blew up, if you used this process, there'd be a way through it. There would be a way to come out on the other side. And if you did this, there would be a way where you would come out whole, um, feeling restored, renewed, more free. Um, And what if I said, would you be interested in that? You'd probably go, yeah, yeah, I really would. I'd like to know what that is. Um, it's really this psalm. Like tonight, it's, it's here. And it's what the Bible calls repentance. And um, here's the thing. You say like, oh, repentance. That sounds like some old-fashioned word. Again, Brad, we're always with these words that we don't even use anymore. Like no one even says that word anymore, right? What does that even mean? I'm supposed to like say I'm sorry or feel sorry for my sin? And um, I would say, no, no, repentance is so much more than that. And we'll sort of unpack that more tonight. Um, Repentance means to turn, like to do a 180, to turn around. That's maybe a good definition. Maybe you've heard that before. Or to change one's mind. Um, remember my dad talking to me about repentance, and he said, um, he'd say, Brad, repentance isn't just being sorry for like a sin. It's being sorry enough to change. So he, I mean, I, I just remember that. I go, okay, so it's a little more than just being sorry. It's being sorry enough to change. But this kind of repentance prayer, if you do it in an ongoing way, it will enable you to change deeply, not just on the surface, but from the inside out. You guys, most of what we practice with um, little issues you have with friends at school or a boy, I don't know, or a girl breaking up with you or just um, something going on with your parents, maybe a divorce, most of what we deal with, um, we try to practice forgive and forget, and it's surfacy. And I think maybe we go through the emotions, maybe we cry, maybe we're angry, maybe we're sad, we go through all of those. Most of the time, I think it just sort of festers, and eventually time goes by, but we probably don't really deal with it to the level we need to. Um, You guys, we all know this. Like, we all have brokenness within us, right? It's not just, I did something once that was broken. You all have things about yourself that you do not like. Um, And again, I'm talking more than just superficialities, like you don't like the way your hair looks or how much you weigh. There's things about you Um, maybe stuff you've done in the past that you feel guilty about or um, you feel remorse for. There's, we all have stuff that we feel, and here's the thing too, if anybody else comes to us or points out any one of our flaws, right, we like hate that. We're like, don't you dare. But we all know that we have stuff that's wrong with us. We know it. And um, and a lot, for a lot of, for a lot of that stuff, things just don't seem to get any better. Um, So, Here's the thing, if you're ever in a crisis in your life, like David was, um, this is how you can put your life back together. And again, I hope you come to Oasis, and um, even if you go, Brad, again, my life's pretty good. Like, I'm a high school sophomore. It's just not that complicated. You would still, I, I hope, try to, like, glean something from this to go, maybe, I don't know, in three years when I'm in college, um, maybe that's sort of scary. Or in ten years when I... I don't know, I'm in a relationship and I'm working a lot, that you would learn something from this. So we're going to ask this question tonight concerning repentance. Three things, these questions concerning repentance. Number one, um, what, what, what one thing must I stop doing? And number two, what two things must I start doing? And then how do I do it? How do I do repentance? So what must I stop doing? Um, two things I'm going to start doing, and then how to do it. So basically we're going to look at the first five verses of this chapter. We might touch on some of the others, but the first five verses. 
Um, and I'm going to work backwards from Psalm 5. So look with me at Psalm chapter uh, or 51, verse 5. This is the one thing I must stop doing. And it's this. In verse 5, it says, Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Um, and that's it, I guess. That's verse 5. Um, what's David saying here? Well, he's saying, uh, he's saying I was sinful from conception. He was saying, he's saying exactly, I guess, what he says. Um, he's saying this, I've always been in a sinful state. This is my element. This is where, um, this is where I come from. From the beginning of my life, I've been like this. And, um, and that goes for all of us. Now, again, maybe, maybe you disagree with that. I want to challenge you with this tonight to go, um, at the root, mankind is born sinful with a sin nature. Um, one commentator put it like this, Concerning David, this sounds maybe harsh, but I'll explain it. He writes this, this, this crime of adultery and murder that David had committed, he now sees was no freak event. It was in character, an extreme expression of the warped creature he had always been since he was little. Um, again, we all have stuff that we go, I didn't learn how to disobey. Um, like none of you students in here that I know of, have a kid. Um, leaders, you all have children. If you are a parent in here tonight, um, you know what I'm talking about. Like your kids did not learn from you how to disobey. Um, surely they picked up a lot of habits from you, maybe bad habits, but at a certain point, I see it right now in my one-year-old, um, it just comes out of them. You guys, I've been quoting um, St. Augustine a lot in this series, and um, I just hadn't read a lot of St. Augustine until I got one of his classic books this year. It's called The Confessions. And, and at one point in his book, it's, they don't have chapters, it's called Book Two. You could look, you, could, you can find this online even, I think. It was titled Adolescence. St. Augustine is like a teenager at this point, and he's out with his friends, and they, um, they break into a pear orchard and start stealing pears, like, like you do. You know, like, let's go steal some fruit. But for all, you know, for any of you, at some point during the summertime or something, you probably, I don't know, my friends, we would go teepeeing each other. That was the thing to do, egging each other. Um, maybe classic prank stuff. This seems innocent, but this is what Augustine says. He asked himself the question, why was I compelled to do this, right? Why was I compelled to do this? Which is interesting because he says this. He says, I was under no compulsion of need for these pears, meaning um, he wasn't hungry and he wasn't poor, which he sort of alludes to around this passage. And he also says, I already had plenty of what I stole and of much better quality too. I had no desire to enjoy what I stole. And they ended up, they sort of like fed them to pigs that were around or something. So why did he steal them? He says this. This is a quote from the book. I wanted to steal, and steal I did. It was greedy, full-fed love of sin. I simply wanted to enjoy the theft for its own sake. And then this is sort of like the quote. I derived pleasure from the deed simply because it was forbidden. Um. You all, like, the moment your mom says, don't touch whatever, the stove, the oven, you just don't do it, right? The moment you're sort of told not to, something in us says, that sounds awesome. Like, I would get much pleasure from doing what I'm not supposed to do. And we've all experienced this. He sees deep in his heart that there's this self-will. There's this, um, there's this selfishness that the moment he and his friends, like, think about stealing, they just sort of go, let's do it, let's do it. Um, 
he basically realizes deep down, he goes, no one can tell me what to do. I'm in charge of my life, which is sort of the, that's the epitome of what sin tells us to do. You are in charge of your life, of your destiny. You don't need God. Go and do what you want. Go and do whatever you want. Um, what I'm trying to get at is, um, and I'll, I'll get to the one thing that you must not do, um, I want you to be, I want you to start to realize that you're capable of doing a lot of cruel, evil things. You're capable of saying a lot of cruel, evil things. We've been down that path. Um, here's another example. Leslie and I, uh, we have three kids, and so we don't really have, like, a social life anymore. So on the weekends, we stay home, um, Friday and Saturday nights, and we watch this show called Dateline. And mo- most of you students, you've never even heard of that show because it's a boring adult show. Um, but almost every week on Dateline, it's about like a murder, mis- like a, a real life crime, a murder was committed, and it's like the trial of it. And Leslie and I love it. Um, well, not love, but it's like, right, what else are we going to do? Our kids are in bed, so we watch Dateline. Um, and many, like most of the time, um, it's a married person that was killed. And my point is, many, many times, but they're trying to figure out who, like, killed this person. Almost always, it's the spouse that is guilty, right? And um, over and over and over again, you start interviewing, like, the other friends, and they go, no, 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 it wasn't him. It was not that guy. He, it just wasn't in him. There's no way that he murdered his wife. And, um, and again, who knows if all the evidence was brought in and if the verdict was right, but there's a guilty charge, right? And the person's guilty. Um, you guys, we're capable of a lot of things. This like sin problem, it's just within us. What I'm saying is like, you start to think of certain people and you go, they would never, ever do that. But if you know yourself, um, if you know what you do and no one is looking behind closed doors, sure, in public we put on a pretty face, we're capable of a lot of things. Um, i for time's sake, I'm not going to read this passage in Matthew 5, but Jesus sort of equates, says, you've heard it said that murder is wrong, but I say to you that even the, the person who says to his brother, Raka, or like, sort of just means like, you idiot, but sort of like the, like, more than just you idiot, like, uh, just verbally tearing somebody down, it's the same thing. We start to see that making fun of the overweight kid in class, or the kid with zits, or whoever it is that you make fun of at school, is on the same path toward murder. And there's just evil within us. Um, our capacity for cruelty, whether it comes from uh, our capacity from selfishness or whatever it is, but our capacity for that, it's within each one of us. And it's not far. It can lead to something as great as murder. Um, for David, he didn't even know this guy, right? He was just trying to cover up his tracks. Here's the one thing you must not do. Be in denial about your capacity to sin. The one thing you must not do is be in denial about your capacity for sin. Um, So that's the first thing. The second two things are this. I'll be quick on this. What two things, what must we start doing? And um, these are sort of the two parts of repentance. And these are equally important. And and they're this. I'm just going to say, so the two things you need to do to repent are, first of all, full confession of sin, like full, clean confession of sin. That's what we see in verse 4. David says, I have done what is evil in your sight, God, so that you are proved right when you speak. Um, 
You do something against somebody, you need forgiveness, you certainly need to go to God. Um, you need to confess everything to God. You know what? That's actually quite a bit easier probably than going to the person that you hurt or offended. But ultimately, you do something against somebody, like you need to confess a sin, you need to confess that to the person that you wronged as well. And that's probably much harder to do. But full, clean confession. David says, um, like, God, whatever you have for me, I'll take it. It's a full confession. You are proved right when you speak. You are justified when you judge. He says, the punishment, God, I'm going to take it, whatever it is. But he also says this. He says, um, I've done what is evil in your sight. He doesn't say, I struggle with sin. Oh, I just had a relapse. I fell into this again. Oh, it's no major thing. I just struggle. He says, no, it's evil. But he also says this. He says, I've done what is evil in your sight. Um, it's, not, uh, it's, it's, it's not if it feels good, do it. It's not whatever my parents think is right is right. It's not what even the government says is right is right. He goes, if God says it's wrong, um, it's wrong. And God sets the standard of what right and wrong is. So confession. The second thing is a little bit harder. Um, it's renouncing of sin. It's a really repent. You need to have full, clean confession. But secondly, a deep, like heartfelt renouncing of your sin. So not just like, hey, I confess it, and now I'm, you know, hey, I'm just going to go fill up my sin bucket again, and then I'll come to you again, God, and you'll forgive me. The beginning of verse 4, he says, against you, you only, have I sinned. Um, did he sin against Bathsheba? Did he sin against Uriah? Yes, he did. He's using hyperbole here. He's using sort of a figure of speech. What he's saying when he says, I've sinned against you only, he's saying, God, at the root of my sin, it always comes back to a lack of trust in you. Yes, I need to confess. I need to go to these other people. Uriah, he has killed. He can't do that. Bathsheba, he takes to be his wife. Um, But I hope if you ever want to get past your sin habits, your sin struggles, whatever it is, those deep, dark things that you just are holding on to, um, don't just confess it. Go to God and say, God, I've wronged you first. Um, I have put other things in your place, and at the root of every sin is a lack of trust in God. Um, you guys, I don't even have time, I guess, to sort of finish this. Um, that's one thing I hope you see, that underneath every sin, um, there's always a sin beneath the sin. You maybe go, yeah, Brad, good talk. Yes, I know I need to ask for forgiveness. I remember two students in tribe a couple year, years ago, um, they basically were gritting their teeth going, I, she, one friend goes, I know I need to forgive her, but I hate her guts. And how do I do that? And it was sort of like, I know as a Christian, I have to do this thing called forgiveness. And I go, no, 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 no. Like you, I go, you didn't even get it at all. Um, and I wasn't that like harsh to her. But I said, it's not just you have to do this. I go, in order for you to like be released of the revenge of the bitterness within you, in order for you to have freedom, like you've got to just let go of this. Um, It's not just don't lie. Why do you lie in any circumstance, you guys? You lie because you don't want to be inconvenienced. You lie because you don't want to get in trouble. But at the root of it, you're putting your reputation, you're putting your image, you're putting your schedule in place of God. You're saying, God, I don't trust you with this. Um, This person can't can't handle the honest truth. So I'm going to lie and cover it up. But every time we do that, we're saying, God, I'm better than you. God, I don't need you. God, you are not my God. I'm in control of my own life. Um, 
yeah, I've sort of got to stop there. You guys, um, David finds at the end of all of this that he can be cleansed. I mean, towards the end, he goes, create in me a pure heart, O God. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. And he finds it. Um, there's consequences to his sin. We see that with the rest of his life. Um, but my goodness, I hope you guys, one, you see that, that sin is just within you. But I hope you like, I hope you know um, if you hold on to this stuff, if you don't have a full confession to God or to the person you hurt, it will eat away like your heart and your soul and you won't deal with it and you'll hold on to it for years and years. I got the time, I'm going to read this real quick. I got an email this morning from a mom of one of you in here and she just, she says this, Brad, great topic. I wanted to share something with you that I learned about forgiveness Maybe this is common sense to other people, but it was such a huge aha moment for me. She says, several years ago in a video my small group was watching, this phrase was used. You can't always forgive and forget. It's what sort of like the default is, right? Oh, just forgive and forget. She says, but you can forgive and forgive. She says, in that moment I realized I'd always, I'd, I had always perceived forgiveness as an event. And that if I said I forgive you, that meant whatever it was I had forgiven um, shouldn't bother me anymore. And if it did bother me again, I would think that maybe I hadn't actually forgiven that person like I'd thought. Like, sort of like, so you have to put it out of your mind. And she goes, I struggled with that because I'd, I'd keep rethinking of that thing. She said that second phrase made me realize that forgiveness is so often a process. So it's forgive and forgive and forgive. And you got to let it go. And you got to let it go. And you might not forget about it because you really didn't forgive the first time. But it's a process, not an event. It's natural for an issue to resurface even after it was forgiven. But then it's time to pray and ask for the wisdom to forgive again and allow God to lift that burden from you again. It was such a big deal for me to come to that realization and it's made such a difference in my life and in my marriage. And she goes on to tell me sort of much more just like detailed stuff about her marriage. Let me pray. God, um, <clears throat> I know for so many of us this maybe just seems like a, Wah, wah, topic. Um, but God, we, we run into issues like this in our life. God, some of us in this room um, are dealing with things right now, much more so than others. Um, God, sins we've committed, wrongs we've done, things maybe that we don't even think are sin or that people in our life would tell us aren't sin, but God, we feel guilty about them. And Lord, we can come to you and say, God, forgive us our debts as we forgive those who sin against us, but God, forgive us our debts because you were cast out, or you cast out Jesus so that we could be brought in. God, Jesus took our penalty. He took our punishment on the cross for our sins so that we could be whole. And God, we don't have to add more to that. So God, help us to seek confession, to seek um, to renounce our sins. And God, help us seek to repent. And we need your help to do it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.